Paralegal Voice here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Carl Morrison, a legal operations professional and advanced certified paralegal and your host to the Paralegal Voice. Well, I can't tell you how freaking excited I am for today's show. You don't know how excited I am. And not just because of the topic. I'm excited to be talking about this particular topic, but I have two amazing guests with me in the studio, and we're going to talk about a very important topic. And what we're going to be talking about is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And But it's not just about DE&I in general. It's more important about talking about diversity analytics and driving real changes based on the data within our own corporate legal departments and our law firms. So with all that said, I'm going to start off and introduce my guests. So I've got two guests today. I've got with me uh, Mark Harris, who's vice president at Justice Bid. Prior to coming to, to Justice Bid, Mark led the charge to really th- look at in- being inclusive and providing inclusive oppor- opportunities in health and fitness for the differently abled community. And it really ultimately led him to joining forces with Justice Bid and helping transform how legal embeds DEI into their operations using diversity analytics. But not just Mark, I've got Emmanuel Smith. He is an NFL star, Super Bowl champion with the Kansas City Chiefs. His faith, his passion and commitment is so apparent. I met him at clock and I, I consider him and Mark my brothers. So love him to death. And with uh, Emmanuel, he really was looking to help, you know, commit to underrepresented groups that, you know, he wanted to, to do more for. And so he joined with Justice Bid to help transform the legal industry with the hope of actively driving change. So enough of listening to me talk. Um, welcome, Mark and Emmanuel. Thank you guys so much for being with me. Hey, thanks for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. Guys, and we've got so much we can cover, and I know that – Trust me, talking to them at clock, I could talk hours on in with them. So, but we have a limited amount of time. And so let's just jump right off into it. So I'm going to start with you, Mark. And one of the main legal department focus areas in both 2021 and 2022 has been DNI. And so these past couple of years, DEI has remained, you know, a main area that corporate legal departments are hyper focused on and law firms are focusing on. But it's interesting, when I was looking at some of the data on this, you know, when corporations were surveyed, 30 less than 30% actually have a formalized diversity program. And, um, but 73% surveyed said that they wanted to and would be accelerating DEI initiatives. So for you, Mark, why do you think that this is, that there's such a gap from actually having formalized diversity programs, but there's a push to do it. You know, why did they fail to do this? Talk to us about that. Well, great question. First off, thank you so much. Your intros were uh, overstated, but we appreciate it. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) it it is a good question. Um, I think most firms want to do what's best, but... Like a lot of things, if you don't know how to do it, where do you start? And if it's insurmountable, a lot of times I like to put it off. 
And then I start figuring out little ways to move, you know, make 1%, 3%, 5% moves in something. And then all of a sudden it gets a little bit easier. But when you're looking at the whole thing, it's really hard to move. So I, I think that comes back to it is they want to do what's best. They don't know what to do. And then what's the playbook? You know, who's done this before and who's done it well? And what kind of information's out there? Where do you get the data to help you move this conversation forward? And I, I think that's just two of probably, I don't know, 10, 15 other points. I mean, the data lift itself is hard, uh, collecting the data. So all of those things are parts of it. And I think, again, they want to do it, but how do I go about it? Is that, is that a fair way to put it? I think that is a fair way to put it. And it's it, it, you hit the nail on the head that too often, I think, especially when you're looking at the legal industry, we see this. And I always like to tell paralegal students when I've taught in programs that when they are, you know, presented with a major issue or project or, you know, something that they're having to tackle, I always say to them, how do you eat an elephant? And students always go, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Eat an elephant? Well, yeah. How would you approach eating an elephant? Well, you do it one bite at a time. That's the best way to approach it. And I think too often, and Mark, you can disagree and Manuel disagree, but, or agree with me, I think people just freeze. They see this major thing. They want to change, but they don't know how. And I think you, you said it a minute ago, that's, that's a, I think a major, you know, hurdle that people get over. So you just really (laughs) stole my thunder because that's literally the analogy that Emmanuel and I were talking about. Uh, Emmanuel, I'll just let you just speak up for me. Was that not the exact same thing I said? Word for word. (laughs) Uh, See, I told you guys they're my brothers. We're we're from the same family. I'm telling you. Yeah, there's there's a connection. There's no doubt. Emmanuel, I'm going to ask you. You know, as an NFL player, um, you're of course very familiar with the NFL requiring teams to interview ethnic minority candidates, and it's known as for those that don't know it, it's called the Rooney Rule. Yes. And I know I want to hear more about your story, and I'd like. The listeners to hear about your story about how you came to join your passion of diversity and inclusion initiatives with the legal industry. How did you get involved in driving that change from diversity related commitments and pledges, which is, you know, very similar to the NFL's Rooney rule to active engagement? Perfect. That's a great question. Um, I got introduced to Justice Bid. And kind of create the connection, give a little big background. My wife went to school with one of my colleagues' daughters, and they reached out and asked me, man, sort of thing. And all season that he's passionate about, and I'm like, I'm always open to opportunities to hear. And I heard what they were doing with DE and I, and how they were tackling that space. And I'm like, this lines with what my values and morals are, because my corporate experience in America is a locker room, and. I'm pretty sure everybody's in the locker rooms, always loving, welcoming. We don't care what you look like, where you come from, size, shape. Like, if you step foot in that locker room, it's like part of a brotherhood. And I like that because it's like a friendly, nice, warm bear hug. And there's some people that give you some pretty big bear hugs in the league. <laughs> um, and I was, I was really shocked when I got outside and saw that corporate America wasn't really that way. And... To me, it just lit a fire in me because I feel that people should always want to feel like they belong or are welcome in any environment. So I wanted to make the legal field like a locker room. Oh, no matter where you come from, 
your background, as soon as you step into this space, you are welcome and loved on. And that way we can drive the needle forward and actually pushing the problems with DE and I. So listeners, um, I, I actually connected with Emmanuel and Mark way before clock, a couple of months before, and we've had conversations and such. And I was really excited to meet them in, in person. And I will tell you guys that Emmanuel gives the best <laughs> giant bear hugs in on the planet. He is amazing. And it shows your passion and your dedication for being an inclusive and, and, and creating inclusivity within the legal industry. And it, 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 I was just like blown away. And so that's why I'm so excited that you guys are on the show today to talk about something that's sort of near and dear to my heart as well of inclusive inclusivity and diversity and equity. There's it, it's those three things. And we're going to go into it. I, I'm going to get on a soapbox guy. So <laughs> I'll, I'll keep asking the questions, but anyway, <laughs> that's so uncharacteristic of you too. <laughs> All right. So Mark, I'm going to, I'm going to ask now you a question. I'm a data nerd. I love the metrics and so having metrics in place to track employee diversity is really important. I see that it's really important. I know that that's what you guys focus in on as well. Um, and Bloomberg's laws, Bloomberg laws, I can't even talk, 2021 legal operations survey revealed that the top three metrics to track diversities includes race, gender, and sexual orientation. When that is about over 80% surveyed. But yet, less than 50% of those surveyed say to the age, disability, veteran status, worker well-being, and job satisfaction are other key mer- metrics to, to measure and to look at. So why, are, why does it seem like most organizations focus in on what I call the top three, which is the race, the gender, and orientation, and not also look at these other metrics? Why do you think that is? Oh, there's, can I use the word a myriad of reasons? Um, And I would maybe, (laughs) I would also add, there's other metrics like head of household, first generation, social mobility. All those things are probably things that we should be talking about. And um, maybe the best way to answer the question for you is to kind of put it very personal for me. It's, you know, so race, gender, uh, sexual orientation are a little more tangible Right. You can you can see it. Maybe you can deal with the data and you understand it. But I would go so far as to say that even in those areas, we haven't done a great job moving right. things forward. But where I come from very specifically, and, and this is my kind of soapbox, is I dedicated uh, a company and really kind of my life, along with my wife, to making uh, adaptive fitness products because a friend of mine was injured uh, in a wheelchair. And he didn't have the ability to go and do things that other people did. And it kind of ticked me off. And he said, uh, you know, fitness isn't really inclusive to me. And so I said, well, let me see what I can do to help you. So I, I put together some, some sketches, threw it around for a little bit and threw it to him. And he said, yeah, this could help. And so I made a product and then he used it on a national stage. And then I had about five people approach me with five more products. And we got into about, uh, 50 or 60 different things that I'm now trying to do for people, all because we wanted to make it inclusive. And, you know, you talked about that elephant and, and trying to eat things one at a time. <laughs> it was so overwhelming. Uh-huh. It's all that we can do to keep up with that. And then a couple of my athletes talked to me and said, you know, 
our careers, it's difficult. One of them was a, a dental hygienist and she's in a wheelchair. Uh, and this is a fit beast of a young woman who, you know, was just is amazing. But she says, I've got to go back to work and I don't know how this is going to work. And another who is a, a very well-known athlete, uh, actually, you could infer who she is based on she has six gold medals swimming for the U.S. in Olympics. Um, she had an ATV accident uh-huh. and she severed her spine and she's now in a wheelchair. And uh, she said, you know, I'm taking the LSAT because I want to go out and do uh, legal work to help children. But I'm looking at the legal space and man, it does not look like me. And so I looked at it and it was like 0.37% of the legal uh, operations and legal firm space looks like differently abled. So I just gave you probably three minutes longer than I should have (laughs) what it looks like to me. How, how do you as an organization, when there's so many more moving parts, uh, get your hands around that unless you can go to one source and get all the data? Right. Exactly right. Which brings me to my next question, that a sense of urgency. And Emmanuel, this is really for you, that I was looking at, again, metrics, data, and uh-huh. surveys. And Clock did a survey that um, – 44% of the organizations that that had legal departments surveyed actually did not become more diverse and actually stayed the same. That's a lot. To me, I was, saw that data point and I was like, wait, what? They There wasn't doesn't seem to be a sense of urgency. And this was just a couple of years ago that this particular data point is, is showing and that they're just basically staying the same. So how can legal departments and law firms really develop that greater sense of urgency in recognizing the importance of the diversity and start making changes now instead of just sitting around and waiting? Right. I, I honestly would argue that it could have gotten worse. And I say that because are they looking at it from the lens of intersectionality? Right. Are they hitting all the boxes and not just checking the boxes like the Rooney Rule, but actually hitting the boxes and driving the needle forward to make change? Or are they just saying we have it, but not really moving the needle forward, which I think comes in part with the urgency. And as you know, at clock, we were wearing number 63 because that was representative of 63% of women of color are leaving law firms. And the question Uh is, why is that? If law firms have been staying the same, and we'll say law firms like the training ground, they they do the, the training to help lawyers get into the law departments and hiring diverse lawyers, so why are we not able to keep diverse lawyers in the field, but we are able to keep non-diverse lawyers? So where is the intersectionality piece that kind of comes back to what Mark was saying about inclusion or making people feel like they belong? Why, why are we struggling with that? And how can we look at ourselves first inward to be able to make that movement on the outside? And that's a great point. You got to start at home first, meaning yourself. You got to look inside first to help you be able to move the the needle forward. Right. Uh, So guys, I have a hard break for a commercial. So we're going to take a little short commercial break. So listeners, don't turn that dial. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screen process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, 
and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. Before the break, we were talking about creating a greater sense of urgency when recognizing diversity and starting to make those changes now. And so, Mark, what do you think is one, or you you may have more than one, <laughs> of the biggest challenges that firms, corporate legal departments are facing when incorporating these DE&I initiatives into their company? You're dead on when you say I probably have more than one, but I'm going to try to... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to simplify it for you. I think gathering the data, uh, putting your arms around something like that, uh, you know, data is is great. And I love data. I'm a data nerd myself. But when you pull in all this data, then what do you do with it? And so that's kind of where Emmanuel and I are at it. We're, we're trying to come up with ways to make the data manageable make it usable and figure out uh, ways to, to actually make 1%, 3%, 5% moves because you start adding up those little numbers and they turn into big numbers. Right. It's, again, the elephant eating that elephant a little it bit is. at a time. Absolutely. So, Manuel, um, I was reading an article just recently recently um, on DEI and and the person that they were interviewing, her name is Aubrey Blanche, and she's a leader in the DEI arena. And she was quoted in this particular article saying, diversity is demographics, inclusion is experience, and equity is the gap in between ex- the experience of different groups. And I thought, wow, that's a really powerful quote. And what data should law firms, legal departments sh- be collecting to support the DEI work? Is one area, meaning is diversity more versus inclusion versus equity? Are, are they all equal? When we look at all those three data points, um, when we're collecting it, what, what's your take? Well, that's a great quote by Aubrey. And my take on that comes from, I don't think it, one is more important than the other. Uh, it's like a, like a fist. If you have a fist, what one finger is more important. Together, it makes the fist. So I think that D and I come together to make that fist. And I think it's more the greater question is how effective are we in those three areas looking at it from the intersectionality lens? Like how are we impacting inclusion with the experience and the culture of our law firms to welcome people in? And the equity is the comparison of people and other law firms are just the, the, the industry itself as a whole. How are we looking at this comparison to drive that change forward? So I don't think there is one key way to look at, oh, this is better or this inclusion is better than diversity, or diversity is better than equity. I think they all play their hand together to make the end goal stronger. We just need to look at how effective are we in all three of those areas. And to find, the best way to find the in-house data for the lawyers, uh, no free shout outs as a friend once said, but I'm gonna say, Justice Bid does a great job of being able to knock all of those down, especially from the intersectionality lens. Well, it's funny that, you know, 
your answer's correct. No, I'm not grading you. Seriously, um, <laughs> I, I, I've seen too often where departments, companies, organizations, firms, when they start that they haven't had the DEI initiative and they start building a team, they, they start really hyper-focused on one area. They right. focus in on diversity first versus equity and inclusion, or they only focus in on inclusion and not the other two. I agree with you 110%. You, you, you can't have – all three of them are vitally important because if you, if you focus in on one, you're not, you're, you're not getting to that point where you need to be. Yes, yes. Wholeheartedly agree with that. Mark, we were talking about this earlier and that, you know, eating that elephant, I'm, I'm going to beat this, you know, analogy into the ground today, right? But it's such a great, with what yeah. we're talking about, it's such a great, you know, analogy, but it is a beast. And people and departments and leadership, you know, they get, they see it as thinking it's overly complicated or it's o- overwhelming. And they get, you know, they, they shut down because it's just such a beast and we'll just worry about it tomorrow. How can we as, you know, little old me as a legal operations professional or the paralegals that are listening, um, paraprofessionals listening to the show, focus our efforts? The word that comes to mind is courage. And um, a lot of times when I think of the word courage, I'm thinking of, of fighting, you know, something big and, and overcoming that. But it's not always that way. Courage can be having the understanding that making a 1%, a 3%, a 5%, and I've said that a couple of times, but I want to emphasize it. If you're only getting small moves, you're still getting moves. And that's better than where, you know, we get uh, paralysis by analysis by looking at all this data. Mm-hmm. But if you can find a good data set and you say, you know what, let's just pick this part of the elephant and let's move it 1% this quarter. And then the next quarter, let's push them to three. And the quarter after that, let's go to five. Those are huge moves when you start accumulating that data over time. So I, I would say take it that small bite at a time, uh, find a good good data, and then go find out where you can tackle it best and make those moves. I think too often, especially from, and not to diss on lawyers that are listening to this show, I love you. I love you lawyers. Um, however, sometimes... Um, most lawyers are not project managers by design, and they don't think in a project management standpoint. And that's where a particular skill set that legal ops people like myself and paralegals have a really strong project management. And to me, you approach it from a project management standpoint. So you look for those practical wins. You look for the small things that you can tackle and, you know, easily have those 1%, 3% success rates that demonstrate you're moving things forward and larger projects, larger aspect to the DEI, you work on and, and figure out how what the plan is going to be so that you can accomplish that. You too often we get bogged down by paralysis by analysis. You you get all this data and you go, oh my gosh, okay, well, how do I tackle this beast without going, okay, well, let's analyze this. Let's look at it from a project management standpoint. How do I get, how do I tackle those practical wins? How do I, you know, what in the next 60 days, what am I, what's my goal in 60 days with this particular aspect? All right, we're going to set up a, a diversity, equity, inclusion team. Okay, well, 30 days. All right, great. We've set that up. Now, 
the next, the next, the next. As you keep moving it, that's where I think you you see the the major successes. You have to look at it, my standpoint, from a project management perspective. Oh, 100% agree. And project management is such a great word for what, what's really going on in the industry, right? Absolutely. 110% agreeing. All right. So this question's for both of you guys, but I'll have you guys answer one at a time. So I want to know where are you on your DNI journey? What are you thinking about or are you learning about currently? And I'm going to start with Emmanuel first. You're on the hot seat. Uh, I'm a hot seat. <laughs> Pants are on fire. Um, <laughs> the, the D, my DEI journey, I'll say where I'm learning about currently, I didn't know this space, to be honest, really existed. Uh, coming from a locker room and just being around athletes our whole life, this space really isn't talked about and not really known. So the fact that this opportunity is presented to me to allow me to learn that this industry is here, but it's also a real industry that drives change in society. Uh, and I'm learning more daily from everybody I talk to, the interactions on just different perspectives on how DE&I is affecting everybody in the whole. Um, so that's kind of what I'm learning currently. And my journey, I guess, it's just been DEI, so like it's been a part of my life. Uh, right. Just being in a locker room, dad's a cop, so we've always been taught every time you interact with somebody, you treat them as a, as a child of God. And you, you love them, you don't, nothing bad about them. You just always give them love and hope. And I think that's just been embedded in me. So now every time I go somewhere, I'm like, if I ever interact with somebody, I don't care what you, how, what you, what you identify as, what color you are, you can be purple, green. Emmanuel is going to love you for who you are. And I think that is just pointing to what I'm doing with DNI in the legal space. Mark? Wow, and you want me to follow that? <laughs> I know. I'm just sitting here going, um. <laughs> oh my God. I have to deal with this all the time. You know, it's like, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. It's like, Mark who? Uh, you know, maybe I can I can look at that from a, a from a different perspective. I can't add anything to what he said because, uh, as is so typical of Emmanuel, he you could find this this young man in any situation, and he's he's genuine. So my perspective is I'm I'm much older, and I know you can't tell that from my voice, <laughs> but um, you know he's he's in his mid twenties, and I'm in uh, my some fifties or something like that, <laughs> and. Um, where where I've been and what I've seen and, and and the change that I've seen in my lifetime, and then getting to interact with with folks that kind of fit all spectrum, uh, man, this is this is a good journey because we're talking about it, right? And talking about it's one thing, but when you actually can see progress, which is where I'm, my perspective is, I've seen things come a long ways from from when I was in my twenties. I wish I was as smart as I am now as I was in my twenties. But um, it's just a good time. And if I could just throw in one other thing, and that is from a, from a paralegal perspective and people looking to be involved in an industry, this is the industry to do this in. Mm -hmm. um, I see nothing but opportunity here. And man, if you're looking for a great career, this, this is it. I mean, my gosh, just walk around clock and see what an amazing <laughs> opportunity it is. I could not agree with you more that it's – the two of you together, so for the listeners understanding, I was just like 
blown away. I can't say it enough about these two, that they, their light shines and emits so brightly. And I am so lucky and blessed to be on the journey with you guys, that you have invited me along to be on this journey together. And um, you guys are amazing on what you're doing for the industry. And um, I was so happy that you guys agreed to be on the show. So thank you guys so much for, for, you know, the little bit of time that we get to talk about this. We could have a multi-episode, you know, series on, uh, you know, all the sub areas that we really couldn't even tackle today. But uh, um, I always have to have and have to end my shows with fun questions. And so oh. I've got, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> be afraid, Emmanuel. Um, so my fun questions, I'll start with Mark first. So you were talking about being involved in the health and fitness. So I got to know, what's your guilty food pleasure? Oh, that's such a great question. And, you know, because I'm involved in the health and fitness industry, uh, part of the reason I am is because if I don't stay healthy, I can't eat ice cream. <laughs> and there's a place called Bobby's Frozen Custard. It's got kind of a 1950s theme drive up. And they have this huge bucket of custard that they call a hard rock cashew. And I save calories so that I can go devour that with my granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> and that is 100% my guilty pleasure. It, it didn't even take a thought for that question. <laughs> I'm a foodie, so I like to eat, and I like to eat good food. And so uh, food is just my guilty pleasure in general, food. Um, <laughs> so, Emmanuel, <laughs> here's your question. And being that I, I was thinking of a multitude of different questions, and because you went to Vanderbilt, you're a Vandy, and mm -hmm. my my, I'm a huge giant Florida Gators fan. So okay. <laughs> I thought uh, I, I, I <laughs> do you not like me now because uh, you've no, learned it's still that love. It's, it's still love. It's <laughs> just a little bit of animosity towards you, just, but not a lot. <laughs> um, but I could ask you a football question, but I'm not. So I'm going to do something totally different. Throwing you a curveball here. Um. I want to know, <laughs> are you the type of person to sing in the shower? And if so, what do you sing? Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> if, if my wife was here, she would yell at me. Um, but yes, I totally love to sing in the shower. I got me a little shower speaker that I put in, and I'm a big R&B type of person. But like oh. 90s R&B. The R&B today is it's kind of what it is, but... The 90s R&B when I was a little kid was like my jam. I remember the song called Let Me Love You by Mario. It's my first love song. <laughs> Don't know why, but that's the one that I scream at the top of my lungs. I might even break out and just mid-action and just start dancing. I got my little shampoo bottle as the mic, and I'm going... I'm going to town in the shower. I might have slipped a couple times, but that's my that's my go-to song. <laughs> oh my! Uh, um, Mark, he just dated us when he said he was a little kid in the '90s. Uh, so I, um, I, <laughs> I I don't think I want to do this anymore, man. <laughs> Gentlemen, wow. thank you so, so much. We're running out of time, unfortunately, but 
Um, before we wrap up, um, if any of the listeners want to get in contact with you guys, what's the best way to reach you all? I'll start with Mark. Email seems to be the the source for everybody these days. So M Harris, M H A R R I S at Justicebid, J U S T I C E B I D dot com. And Emmanuel? I'll follow up with that. Mine is E Smith at Justicebid.com. Uh look forward to chatting to anybody that wants to chat. You guys, thank you so, so much. And um I can't wait to see you guys in person again. Um, I'm going to have to come out your direction before clock next year, um, just so I can sit and talk with you guys and get a giant bear hug. So, yes, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're truly grateful for this opportunity, Carl. Thank you so much. Thanks guys. So hang tight, everyone. We'll be right back after a break for station identification. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com simple. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. Well, guys, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today's show on the Paralegal Voice. Um, If you have any questions about today's show or the guests I had on today's show, you can email them to me at devotedtolaw at gmail.com. That's D-E-V-O-T-E-D, the number two, L-A-W, at gmail.com. And stay tuned for more information and upcoming podcasts for exciting paralegal trends, news, and engaging and fun interviews from leading paralegals and other leading legal professionals. Thank you for listening to The Paralegal Voice, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit legaltalknetwork.com. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download Legal Talk Network's free app in Google Play and iTunes. And reminding you that I'm here to enhance your passion and dedication to the paralegal profession and make your paralegal voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer 